In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help the process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Before we get started with our conversation today, we're going to play my interview yesterday afternoon with Dr. Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States, of course. We talk about how he would react to anti-vaxxers if he had a Finsta. Um, I said the word Finsta, and he had definitely heard it before, so he knew exactly what I was talking about, and he gave an excellent answer. He talked about how safe vaccinated people are right now. We talked about you know vaccinated people feeling a sense of unease and safety, and he really clarified that and why he still sees the light at the end of the COVID tunnel. I found this to be an encouraging conversation. Such a privilege to be able to chat with him. So please listen to that, and we'll be back here shortly. We are back today with Dr. Vivek Murthy, United States Surgeon General. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're so we're so thrilled to wish it were under different circumstances, but we were thrilled to get an opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing this as well. Yeah. So our listeners and people across the country are, frankly, they're a little, they're worried. They've done what they feel they can to turn a corner in this pandemic, right as some areas are experiencing hospital volumes they hadn't seen before. I am sure there are a lot of things keeping you up at night. One of them, I'm guessing, is Florida, where earlier this week, we heard that 10,000 people had been hospitalized for COVID-19, just numbers that we had not seen We know that vaccination rates aren't um, as good as they could be or as high as they could be in some of the areas we're seeing these surges. So my first question is, I'm wondering if there are other reasons the virus and the Delta variants are really surging in those areas. Well, Meta, it's a really good question. And let me step back for a minute just to paint a picture of where we are right now. Um, you know, on, on the tough side of the ledger is the fact that we do are, you know, we do find ourselves in the midst of a of a Delta surge, right? And we are seeing cases rise. We should expect they actually may rise uh, for several weeks more. We don't know exactly when they're going to peak. <clears throat> and this is driving a significant number of hospitalizations. And unfortunately, we have seen in the past when cases go up, hospitalizations follow, and then a few weeks later, deaths go up as well. And so that's all very, very concerning. And it is happening primarily among those who are unvaccinated, these hospitalizations and deaths. In fact, the vast, vast majority uh, of serious illness and deaths are among the unvaccinated. On the positive side, though, and one of the reasons that you know I feel hopeful about what we've done and where we're going is that we have more and more evidence that continues to tell us these vaccines work. They work to prevent us from losing our life, from being hospitalized and experiencing severe illness. And the vast majority of people who get fully vaccinated are also prevented from getting uh, infection altogether. If you do have a breakthrough infection, and that's a small portion, again, of people who are vaccinated, if you do have a breakthrough infection, it will much more likely be a mild or even asymptomatic infection, which means you won't feel anything. That's the benefit of being vaccinated. So if you're out there listening and you're like, gosh, was it really helpful that I got vaccinated? Did it really make a difference? The answer is absolutely yes. It helps to keep you safe. It helped keep people around you safe uh, because if we're sick, then we can transmit to others. And the third thing that it did is it limited, uh, it, you know, how bad this surge could be, because I will tell you, as bad as the numbers look now, they would have been much, much worse had we had uh, not had 165 million people in our country fully vaccinated, which is what we're blessed to have today. We just kind of moved that up further because clearly, you know, COVID-19 is throwing more curveballs at us. Yeah. And the good news is we have the solution. It's vaccination. We just got to accelerate our efforts 
to get more people in our communities vaccinated. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, we do have something of a model for what happens when this variant is able to rage and there is low vaccination. I know you have personal experience with family members in India passing away who did not have the access that so many of us, I mean, everybody in the United States other than children is now lucky enough to have. You're absolutely right. I mean, we if you had told me a year ago, Amanda, that we would have, uh, you know, be in the place we are today where we not only have a vaccine, but we have three vaccines that we can potentially take, I would have said, wow, that's pretty ambitious. Yeah. But here we are. And not only do we have those vaccines, but they are free. They are widely available. Uh, it's really easy to get them. You can just go to vaccines.gov and find places in, right around you where you can walk in and get vaccinated. It's easier than ever but we have millions of people still who need to take that step mm-hmm. uh, and, and get vaccinated. So time is of the essence here though, because what we saw uh, throughout the last 18 months is that when there is uncontrolled spread of COVID-19, that's when new variants can arise. Uh, it's w- likely what led to the alpha variant that we dealt with in the spring and to the Delta variant that we're dealing with now in the summer. Yeah. So if we want to prevent this development of future variants, uh, speed matters and getting more people vaccinated fast so we can get cases not only come down, but stay down is really going to be the key. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have spoken out a little bit more about how individuals can combat misinformation. I feel like what, what we see a lot is we see misinformation and we also see what's sort of like what you just described, it's misplaced kind of apathy about the vaccine success. I mean, people are seeing breakthrough infections and they're saying things like, well, why get vaccinated? So I want to sort of put you in the position a lot of our listeners are in, like a really specific example that let's say somebody comments on my Instagram saying um, of somebody getting a positive test saying, well, what's the point of even getting vaccinated if you still can get COVID? How should I respond to this person? If Dr. Vivek Murthy could create a fake Instagram, you could make a Finsta as somebody else and reply to this person. What would you say? Finsta, I love it. <laughs> I won't set up a fake Instagram, but I'll tell you what I, what I would say. I you know, one, I would try to understand a little bit about what that person's situation was. Yeah. And then I try to help them understand uh, that the reason to get vaccinated, even if you tested positive, is because you're vaccinated, you have a much, much lower risk of dying. So if you care about staying alive, get vaccinated. If you care about not ending up in the hospital, also get vaccinated. Because again, even if you test positive, your likelihood of getting severely ill is much, much lower if you're vaccinated. And then finally, just consider this, that even if you do have a breakthrough infection, that's a small portion of the people who are fully vaccinated. Now, a small portion of 100 million people is going to feel yeah. like a lot of people, right? So we should expect that we will have people in our social media feeds, in our networks who got fully vaccinated and may say, hey, you know what? I tested positive. But I'll tell you this. It's going to be a small portion of the overall number. And those infections are much more likely to be mild or even asymptomatic, meaning people don't feel anything. Uh, compared to folks who are unvaccinated, and they unfortunately have a much higher risk of getting severely ill, of losing their life. Uh, And that's really what we're trying to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important to emphasize. I feel like social media has made our world like you'll hear, well, I know two people. It's like, well, actually, every individual person actually knows like hundreds or thousands of people. Like we don't often think about how many people we actually know. So it is actually quite a quite a small proportion. Um, So a lot of vaccinated people have been feeling a sense of public and indoor spaces feeling suddenly less safe again. Is that accurate? And what is happening to change that? What signs are encouraging you that we are on the right path to sort of get where we were and where we expected to be soon and feel safe? Yeah, well, I'm glad we're talking about this because I know that with the recent CDC guidance, people are wondering, what does that mean for me? Well, here's what here's let me tell you about the data that led to uh, contributed to some of that change. And then I'll explain what it really means for folks. Uh, so there, there are a couple of things that the CDC saw, you know, that concerned them. One was a dramatic increase in the transmission potential, like, and how contagious this Delta variant was. But the second thing is there was recent data they came across, which helped them understand that in the small portion of cases where vaccinated people have breakthrough infections, they appear able to transmit the virus to other people. Now that is different from what was being seen with the other variants, including the alpha variant. In those cases, breakthrough infections were very unlikely to transmit. And it's for that reason that they recommended that fully vaccinated people, especially in parts of the country where there's a lot of spread of virus, that they put masks back on when they're in public indoor spaces to help contribute to breaking that chain of transmission. This is particularly useful, I think, and I say this as a parent, for people who have folks at home that are vulnerable. So if you've got kids at home, like I do, who are too young to be eligible for a vaccine, if you've got 
family members at home are immunocompromised or who have other health concerns that you think might make them more vulnerable to bad outcomes of COVID. Those are circumstances where uh, taking that extra leg of precaution to make sure you don't transmit the infection inadvertently to someone at home is, is so important. And again, if you get a breakthrough infection, you'll likely be fine. This is about breaking the chain of transmission, protecting folks at home who may be vulnerable. That's why the CDC issued that guidance. So if you're fully vaccinated, you should still feel good that you are much, much safer uh, than folks who are unvaccinated. You're much safer than you were uh, in some senses last year, you know, when we had no vaccine to protect us. Uh, So feel good about that, but know that these extra precautions that the CDC recommended are there to help reduce transmission. And the real key though, is still the vaccination. We've got to, we're not going to get through this with masks alone. We need to wear masks to help reduce the spread now, but get vaccinated to prevent the continued spread of infection in the medium and long term. Yeah, I feel like that's such an important like thing to register is that we're not putting masks back on because things are as bad as they were. They're just, they're important right now. I think the masks have come to symbolize something really a sign that things are like going in a bad direction, but it's just as, as public, as public health officials have said, it's going to be phases. And there are some times where we will, we will revisit this. I'm wondering like on a, when you think about this personally, not just as a doctor, but as a person in the world experiencing a prolonged pandemic, I'm wondering if you sort of conceive it as like a tunnel with a definitive light at the end, then sometimes that light gets further away and you pivot, or do you find that you feel better when you conceive of it as something that is not indefinite, but something that you're constantly monitoring and um, having to switch. I mean, I feel like a lot of us are dealing with the psychic load of it too. So, so how do you handle that? And you're a father of children who have been so impacted by this. I'm just wondering, like, as a, as a person experiencing the pandemic, how you cope and how you move forward. Well, thanks for asking, Amanda. Look, it's, it's been hard, I think, for all of us, and I'm no exception. You know, it, you know, my life has been changed in some big ways. I, I certainly count myself among the lucky, you know, because I'm privileged to, uh, you know, to still have a job, be able to put food on the table for my for my family. And I, and I certainly don't take that for granted. I know a lot of people haven't had that uh, security during the pandemic. Um, but I do think that the mental health impact of this pandemic is profound. I don't think we fully even grasp uh, how, how deep it's been. And I think it will take us a while to recover. In fact, this is one of the things I want to work on during my time as Surgeon General, thinking through how we build the pathway to strengthening and improving our mental health and to healing after this very difficult pandemic. Um, But I do feel actually much better about where we are now than last year. I do think that we've been in a tunnel and I feel like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, though that light. But the reason I say we see the light is because we've seen the benefit of the vaccination. We've seen lives that they saved. We've seen hospitalizations, uh, you know, be, you know, dramatically lower than they otherwise would have been because people are vaccinated. And to me, that's been the biggest piece of this is how do we save lives? And all of last year, when we were struggling with this terrible virus that we didn't know how to deal with and didn't even understand how bad it could get. And as we saw people losing their life time after time, as I would get, you know, I certainly lost many family members, 10 family members to COVID. Many have lost more and, uh, and it's just the pain has been intense. But to know now that there is a pathway to saving lives, gosh, that means everything. Uh, And that is what makes me feel that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just how fast we get there is about how quickly we vaccinate people. That's literally what it's about. And so, you know, you might feel if you're out there listening that, hey, what can I really do to like help people get vaccinated? I've done my part. I got vaccinated. But this is one of those times where we now have to not only get vaccinated, but reach out to our family, to our friends, ask them if they've been vaccinated. If they haven't, you know, ask them if they have questions that you could help answer. Ask them if they have trouble making an appointment or finding a place to get vaccinated. You can help them go to vaccines.gov and find such a location. But it's by looking out for each other, yeah. uh, helping each other get vaccinated. That is how we are going to make a difference. And the data bears out that people want to hear from their doctors and from their family and their friends as they make their decision about whether or not to get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so powerful that the solution is here. It's the vaccine. It's here. So the people that are searching for it, if they haven't gotten vaccinated, reminding them of that. Thank you so much. I feel like I have a lot more tools and people do too. I'll be looking out in the replies for uh, for your Finsta for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. I was really glad we had this conversation and uh, awesome. take care and you stay safe as well. We will. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes 
but beyond that too. Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So today is August 4th, which means it's Barack Obama and Meghan Markle's birthdays, Leo Kings and Queens. What a day. I was going to say that's some serious Leo energy. Wow. Amanda, how does it feel to be a Leo with them? It feels amazing, but I just don't feel super characteristically Leo. I mean, I feel like I'm not like a center of attention, love to be on the stage type of person, but I have like different Leo energies. They're just not the ones that are normally spotlighted. Caitlin is also a Leo who shares this, this incredible. Oh, no, she's not. That's right. Caitlin, what are you? I'm a Virgo. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, I've got very strong Virgo energy. Very strong. Very strong. I tend to gravitate towards Leos, Virgos, and Libras. So this makes a lot of sense. What are you, Sammy? An Aries. Oh, gotcha. And what is Avi? He's a Libra. He's a Libra. Excellent. And my mom is a Virgo. That, all of that tracks. All of that tracks excellently. I yeah. mean, I think, yeah, Barack and Megan are definitely, definitely match the energy. But for our first story today, very sadly, Barack Obama's birthday party is canceled or minimized. It's much smaller. As reports spread of Obama's 60th birthday bash in Martha's Vineyard, I think it was this weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend, yeah? The former president decided to downgrade the soiree to just close family and friends. So unfortunately, the three of us will have to find something else to do. Yeah, It's devastating. I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing some photos of that. Maybe we'll still get some, but like, I feel like we're going to get a family portrait rather than like a party portrait. Yeah. I need a family portrait of them right now, though. I would love to see the four of them. Well, let's wait till Monday. (laughs) Exactly. So Oprah and George Clooney were expected to appear at the event that would have required a negative COVID test. Massachusetts has a great vaccination rate, but obviously there's the Delta surge and the optics of it all. And that study out of Provincetown about breakthrough infections, it's just not a good move. It's not good optics to move forward. So it's just going to be close family and friends. But I'm very curious about who's going to make the cut. I mean, imagine telling Oprah she can't come to your party. I, I feel like she'd get it. She probably gets invited to a, She's probably been to a lot of really cool parties. She probably cares the least. Like, she's been everywhere. She's met him a million times. She'll go to his next party. Like, it might be even a hassle for her to fly all the way from Santa Barbara to a tiny little island off of Massachusetts. So yeah. like maybe she doesn't really mind and she's like, let's do 61 and like we'll do it up. So. Agree. Yeah. I'm very curious who makes the cut as well. 
Me too. Maybe we'll get some some content. We will definitely be Sam and I will be eagle eyed looking for it. I, I am. I'm like, where do I look? Where do I find out? Because yeah. they weren't going to allow phones at the party mm-hmm. either. So it's like, you know, we were going to wait for the official pictures either way. Totally. Totally. So. Yeah. We also wanted to follow up on yesterday's eviction conversation. The CDC has issued a fresh stop to certain evictions. They're saying that evicting people could be detrimental to public health. Of course, in areas like Texas and Florida, the Delta variant is surging. And when people can't live in their homes, um, if they have the option, they will live in homes where people already are. And that is not the best scenario when we have this super contagious respiratory disease. So the new moratorium comes after Biden and his administration called on Congress to extend the prior one. We talked all about this yesterday, this flame beam going off, going on. And basically my impression was like, I heard Cory Bush on NPR where the reporter was like, so what you're saying is that the Biden administration should just do this and then say to the Supreme Court, so sue me. Um, and she said, yeah, that's exactly what he should do. And that's exactly what they did. They extended this through October 3rd. And if the Supreme October Court 3rd. decides that, oh my God, October 3rd, <laughs> they extended yeah. this until October 3rd. And then um, I guess in the meantime, somebody can decide if it is worth their while to bring this back to SCOTUS. I read a really interesting article yesterday that was like, don't forget that the Supreme Court is full of politicians too. This is actually their fault. They are to blame. Yeah, I mean, yes, and also no. Um, I'm working on something bigger, but like the the truth is, is that we have organized our housing policy around maximizing the investment return on real estate more than housing people, which is how New York can add only three hundred thousand people in the last twenty years but housing prices can go up a thousand percent. Like literally my child, one of the childhood homes that I lived in, my parents had tried to buy it. And at the time when I was a kid, it was going to be like 350 to buy that house. That's a brownstone, by the way, a four story brownstone. That's wild. And it is now over $3.2 million to buy that brownstone. Stop it. That's Same exact fucking house. That was how many years ago? That was about, you can just map that about 20 years ago. Oh my that's God. That's crazy. Not, like that's, that's there. People are saying like, oh, housing, it goes up naturally. I'm like, I don't, there's nothing that can explain a thousand percent increase in the cost of a house. Did they in turn it into like years. a smart home? Only 300,000 new people. New York's been at 8 million people. It's at 803, 8.3 million people now. Like people are like, oh, there's so many people coming to New York. That's why housing is so expensive. That is not true. It's, not it's true. already incredibly crowded. Like we don't really. Housing like- is, there's, there's a housing shortage everywhere right now. It's like a crisis. I was listening to a podcast this week that basically made, was like, you're not going to, I'm not going to be able to buy a house for like 10 years. <laughs> anywhere houses in like previously afford really affordable areas are like half a million dollars and it's not going to get better for a long time and a large part of that is also like the zoning stuff like much of the country you can only build like a a house a house for a single family you can't build a duplex you can't build a triplex and it's changing in some places but that's pointless of course as a housing like if you can't build up build up there's also like lots of land like there's a lot. We have plenty they of room took, for all. They the took people. it all, and there's plenty to keep. The to fundamental key point is that we have organized so much of our housing to maximize the value of existing homes and to minimize actually housing people in them. And everything about our housing policy is designed to cater to homeowners. And like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like people own homes, and that's the largest source of, of wealth for most people. But the downside of that is, is that people get, they start in, engaging in tactics to maximize that value yeah. rather, no matter what the cost is. So you'll get people who will fight against homeless shelters for, for families. You know, there are more families homeless in New York than at any point in our history. That, that's a choice. That's a, that's a lot. That's a policy choice that we're making. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the decision from the Biden administration is good. I think it's important for for them to, to just like basically be like, okay, it's more important to keep people in their homes, but it's not solving the fundamental issues that sit underneath housing, where you know rents in particular are getting astronomical, and a huge chunk of that is these really big financial actors who expect 
you know, double digit returns in five years, you know, and private equity and other people who are buying up houses with the intention of renting them out with two to three times the mortgage. To that point, the argument that the administration is using and the CDC for um, extending the moratorium is that it's a public health issue. When is it like not a public health issue? Like it's, it's, it's kind of always, even when there's not a pandemic, it would still probably cost the, like minimize mm-hmm. the cost to not have people be unhoused or like to provide cheap housing for them that would probably cost overall less and put them at less of a health risk than to be paying for them to be yeah. without a house. We've had flu epidemics every year and never, that's such a good right. point. Homeless, yeah, the housing shortage is, is people not being able to afford homes is always a public health threat. Ultimately, like the, Caitlin, I think your point is like so much bigger than just with the housing crisis. It's that everything has been arranged so as to maximize profits for a very small amount of people. And for that reason, their societies run very inefficiently. That's why like we have plenty of food and we have plenty of room for homes, but the people aren't in them and the food is not distributed properly. And it's just that's really what underlies sort of all of these problems, climate change, you know, it's, I can't really name like one issue that is not sort of due to that, this. Right. Yeah. We have enough housing right at this minute. Like right now, no one should be in housing in the United States. It might not be comfortable for everybody. Everybody might not have, you know, the really nice gym and in-suite laundry, but... (laughs) But it's better than the streets. There's housing, safe housing, clean housing. Yeah, homeless encampments, the homeless encampments in LA are not safe for people that live in penthouses in LA either. Like, it's not a safe situation. And like, people want to like, just get theirs and think that it's like, not going to somehow come back and bite them if they can get like, high enough on the ladder. But it's like, the ladder... Like, unless you are literally the top person of the ladder, and like, even then, who's to stop the pitchforks from getting you? Of the ladder is on fire. How do you think it's gonna go? Is my question. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's like people are too short sighted and selfish to like, just like, I don't know. We should, we gotta do a whole episode on this because it's also like, it's also a systemic problem. Maybe systemic problems are right, but, but it's like, you're, you're right. Having owning a house is like the only opportunity and the best opportunity a lot of people have to build wealth and to build generational wealth. So they are, in a lot of cases, understandably protective. In a lot of cases, uh, unacceptably protected. But there's yeah, there's absolutely a lot of play. The, those people who are like the regu- the average homeowner, they have to be protective because they know they're living in this like dumpster fire. Of the, yeah, they're like, yeah. and the, they're exactly. just like a rando in the middle of the ladder, and they know that if they don't try to climb exactly. to the top, they're going to be the one to get screwed. So that's what, like, why this mentality exists. And it's not like the average person's fault, so to speak, but like it, that just is the way society is set yeah. up. And I think that this is why, like, and this is why we should do more shows on this because it's like, this is the, the reason for the gulf between what liberals say they want and what liberals like actually Literally. will accept especially white liberals in the suburbs. So lost. Yeah, we'll definitely elaborate on that soon. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com 
homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So speaking of another scourge of New York, Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> yesterday's huge news broke right before our recording that New York Attorney General Letizia James released her office's investigation into a sexual harassment claims against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. So the report is 168 pages. They interviewed 179 people and went over 70,000 documents. They conclude that Cuomo had sexually harassed at least 11 women, and two of them had not previously made their allegations public. Women that worked for Cuomo, either as assistants or senior leaders in government, describe a constant scream of inappropriate questions about their sex and dating life, incessant hugs and grabs and kisses on the cheeks and lips. I read the report and it's just like, it's constant. It's like, it sounded like they, it's harder for them to find a scenario where he didn't like grab them or say something weird. I mean, it sort of sounds like, it's like the Clarence Thomas Diet Coke thing. And that was such a big deal. And it was, but it's like Cuomo was doing that every day, just constant innuendo, constantly touching them and being handsy with them. It's so upsetting. Well, that was his exact argument for why it wasn't discriminatory. He's like, well, I do this all the time to everybody. So, yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, he does half of the time he denies doing it. But then in the next breath, he says, no, but I do this too everybody. So one new allegation is from the state trooper. So he met this woman at an event and then basically asked to have her put on his protective detail. She didn't have the years of experience required at the time, but they made an exception for her, which is like, that's not good. He emailed her like, ha ha. I like that was him. Lowered the requirement yeah, from three to two years. You. That's fucking dangerous. They don't just protect him. Like they, they, I'm sure this was a very, <laughs> competent very person, Trumpy, but like very Trumpy behavior. Right. I mean, I feel like this is in itself something that they could go after, but she said he would graze his hands up and down her body in very upsetting ways. And um, she was scared to say anything because she knew how vindictive she'd heard the governor could be. Several times he made advances or touched women appropriately. He met at events in his capacity at governor. This was a new insight for me. Like people he just met on the on the line saying hi. One woman said that he um, basically like touched her. She like had a slogan on her shirt. So he was pretending to just like read it by touching it. Is it Braille? No. <laughs> no, it was just. And then he said to her, I'm gonna, and then he whispered to her, I'm going to um, pretend there's a there's a bug on your shirt. And then he pulled away and like you know what he did. He like smacked oh her boob, God. like wiped. Yeah. Shit like that. Like he was just looking for opportunities to do that. A few more. He told the director of the state department of health after she gave him a COVID test on air that she made medical gowns look good. And he tried to engage in what she understood as sexual innuendo. When female staffers commented that the room was warm, he told them to take off more clothes and his executive assistants specifically, I think there's two or three and they, they have different roles over their time with him they're the ones that endure just the most abuse, the toxic stream. One executive assistant said ultimately that he grabbed her butt during a selfie and rubbed it for five seconds. So I've been seeing a lot of butt, he grabbed her butt, but it's like, no, he kept it there for five seconds such that um, she, the pictures are blurry because her hand was shaking so much. 
And then at a later time at his home, he made people come to his home all the time. He hugged her goodbye and then like went under her shirt to grab her breast in what was basically a proposition. The way she describes it is that like, this was his, he was finally making his move and she was just trying to get out of there. Um, 168 pages of that, of that. And this man um, is saying that he didn't do it or that he did nothing wrong. He's calling the report inaccurate and he is still resisting calls to resign. You have to wonder why this didn't come out like in 2017. Um, Very confusing. He's a terrible bullying, violent person. Like the, the one thing that um, like didn't surprise me at all having, you know, spent so much time, like my, my dad would tell me stuff about the Cuomo's when I was like a kid. And like, that was just the political atmosphere. I mean, Mario Cuomo was a four term uh, governor of <laughs> New York, like, and, and Andrew was well known as his enforcer. And that means wow. that he was the one in the political circle who would was you know like in in the movies or whatever where there's that person who's like always the one who will do whatever it takes you know he was like he was like the equivalent of like whatever joe pesci character is in a, a mob movie like he was he's the one who like fucks shit up <laughs> in order yeah. to make the the clean people stay clean and so that was always known about Andrew Cuomo. And and that was that was just from that's outside of the, the sexual abuse stuff and and the harassment so he was well known as a guy who would break your kneecaps possibly literally if you fucked with him yeah and when you get into that like his his energy is very i think i've only been like rooms big rooms with him or whatever but like his energy is very (laughs) it's like it's like an aura of like restrained violence (laughs) all the time that's a really scary dude in a lot of ways and like that did not surprise me when people were like i was afraid that he was going to retaliate like yes yes he was like and he did he did they did against lindsey bolin who yeah they did retaliate they were trying like back away from the situation figure out how to get out because he just as i said he is like this aura of like (laughs) suppressed violence at all times and that's just an energy he brings to everything, his politics, all of that. So when I heard about that kind of hostile environment, I was like, yeah, it starts with him. It starts at the core with him. And it is what he trains his acolytes and Definitely. that kind of constant pressure that like, if you fuck with him, something bad will happen to you. That all tracks like pretty well. Yeah. I mean, and just imagine how... S- I feel like what he is trying to convey is that he's a person that's always that warm and this is just an extension of that. And maybe people took it the wrong way, but reading the report and hearing this, Caitlin, it sounds like when he is being this, like, I don't want to describe it as, as nice, but when he's basically coming onto these women and being friendly towards them, it's actually like an aberration from his normal behavior. So of course they're like stunned and they're like, what's, what's happening. They just didn't want to make him mad. He would yell at them and bully them about like, he seemed to really not like when, women wore their hair up and would like tease them about bad haircuts. He would nag them constantly and then come on to them in these really, I, I cannot understand how this man thinks that he should still be in office. Like, cause he does not think that he did anything wrong. That's the problem. He doesn't think he knows anything wrong. What is going on with the number of dudes who make it to high state level positions being sexual predators. Yeah, well, what, what I feel is that he should just <laughs> resign because he's right on the path to be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, so uncomfortable. At this point, it, so, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's depressing. It's depressing to, to I mean, I, I honestly don't understand how he thinks he's going to hold out. Like, politically, he's got nothing at this point to keep him in office. Like, there's no support. He's lost all the major unions. Like anyone who like makes politics possible, all those people are like, nope, 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 nope. And of course now people are talking about, I mean, even Eric Adams, who did not say that he would turn down a Cuomo endorsement, did not say that he should, you know, there was the initial allegations. People were like, resign now. There were a bunch of people who were like, immediately, like, you should be leaving. Cuomo stuck it out and said, we'll wait for the, you know, and there was a bunch of people who said like, let's wait. 
you know, I'm not going to turn down a Cuomo endorsement. Last week, Eric Adams was hanging out with Andrew Cuomo and he was talking about how Eric Adams would be a great mayor. And yesterday he was like, resign. <laughs> really? Yeah. Everyone's cut ties. I don't see how he's going to hold right now, but that's insane. I mean, Biden told him to resign. Like that's he has a no pretty political big future. deal. I mean, like we said, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. I'm obviously after the press conference, Governor Cuomo released a pre-tape video that was a slideshow of him uh, kissing people non-consensually. None of them looked particularly comfortable, but they were not actively pulling away or asking for help, which I guess was supposed to be good for him. But what Cuomo told investigators that he didn't say in his take statements, he actually kept saying, he's like, I like to kiss people on the forehead. I like to hug them. I like to kiss them on the cheek. What he didn't say there, but he said in the report was that he may have also kissed women on the lips. He was like, maybe, but he says he doesn't remember who. Uh, he insists the women instigated the hugs and the sexual conversations that he just wanted to go along so that they didn't feel awkward. The primary executive assistant told investigators she would break out in hives when she had to be around them. And he said that he noticed that, but he just thought she was nervous about the work, not his advances. And there's just a very, he opened his statement yesterday talking about, um, I don't think he named her, but her name's Charlotte Bennett. She had a couple roles for him. And she like told him about her sexual heart assault experience and felt really good about that. Like he was going to help her and like he understood. And that's why that she had come to government. And then clearly over time, like you can see her text with her friends, like he's just grooming her. He starts asking her all those like super sexual questions. And what I found so offensive, I mean, there were so many offensive things he said yesterday, but he basically was like, well, I think Charlotte, just because of what she's been through, misunderstood what I was doing and saying that she couldn't process it correctly because of her trauma. Oh, he's like Sick. his his response like just made the entire thing like so much more disgusting. And it, like I don't think anyone will defend him at any point, especially given his response to it. Just like leave, dude. Just bye. Right. Save yourself. I mean, at this point, all members of New York's congressional delegation across all parties have called on Cuomo to resign. This is like this is one of those weeks where I have to be extra careful about viral tweets because I can agree with people on both sides and then I'll click and they've like retweeted mm -hmm. something about the vaccine not working. But um, so the speaker of the New York State Assembly said that to said Tuesday that Cuomo has lost the support of the Democratic majority and the assembly and should no longer serve as governor. And I believe this particular speaker was somebody that had not come out so forcefully against Cuomo before. So the assembly was already working on an impeachment investigation related to the sexual harassment accusations and just general abuse of power with some weird shit during the pandemic, the nursing homes. And it sounds like they are moving forward on drawing up articles of impeachment as soon as possible. Um, it, yeah, I, I, it was unclear to me what the timeline on that could be. It has to go through the state Senate. But if that's the only way to get him removed, I think that that's they have to do that. And there are majorities for this. Um, and at this point, there's no downside. There's there's literally like politically no downside to this. There's no like this is something that like there's he can't even fall back on like competence like that used to be the thing where he's like i'm running right. things well and then like immediately they were like oh here's the sweetheart deal that you gave to a consulting company that's supposed to distribute the rental assistance but only seven million of like billions have been distributed because they it was a sweetheart deal that you did for your former aide um who got to work for them here's a uh, hundred million dollars that was wasted and trying to light up bridges in New York instead of, you know, going to the transit system. Um, here's like, and then there's like this, uh, the, the nursing home scandal. Like there was a whole package for the assembly to look at that was much bigger than just the assault allegations. And these have just kind of like condensed the whole thing into like a molten ball of shittiness. Where they're like, okay, there's no way out, dude. Like, we all have to do this. This is what we want to do. But Kathy Hochul is a woman who would be the first uh, woman to be governor of New York State. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, if this goes through, um, you know, I've heard rumors on the back end that there are that there are women who are aiming to. Uh, go for for election for governor next year. Uh, I think that's the most likely option. Um, 
people who are there there's like a small conspiracy theory that i've seen which is like so sad so i'm gonna debunk it now but like, <laughs> there are people who are like afraid that like they're trying to take out cuomo so they can get a republican i i want to be clear that is not going to happen okay democrats have a lot of control in the state there are republican pockets but the idea that like lee zeldin or <laughs> andrew giuliani <laughs> oh my god <laughs> of becoming governor of the state i don't think that's a risk <laughs> i've heard i've heard like rumors that andrew giuliani wants to be governor oh god um, i had not heard that rumor and i wish i still had it i mean he so like like by 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 rumor i mean he probably just like said like i want to be governor like yeah you know i mean like, <laughs> i know i tend to forget it's like because uh, I mean, there are sex scandals all the time. And it's like, I can't believe this is my fucking governor of this. Like what he's always been such a lost opportunity. And just like you said, Caitlin, there's no competence. There's nothing redeems you from this. Like, also, I don't care if we had a Republican because this guy has to go fine. This guy has to go. The, the rules don't change. This isn't like a situal, situational ethics thing, in my opinion. He has to he has to go. This also is like not a minimal thing. This is like really, really bad that are now being investigated. This isn't like Al Franken taking like a dumb photo. No, no, this is multiple Although crimes. Al Franken also did not need to stay. And it turns out Tina Smith is great and uh, has not put her hands on anybody. So that that sounds like a win. In my yeah. Yeah. Another excellent reason just to elect women governors. Not that they're perfect or they can't sexually abuse anybody or abuse anyone at all. But it, there it, is a statistically likely statistically. It, yeah. You know, it's weird. The there's it's a it's a super fucked up that there are double standards. But in another way, I sometimes think that having to go through a much higher standard of like knowing that you can't make mistakes and that you have to be correct and like you have to build environments that are going to sustain people because you're not getting anywhere without the help of other people and you know that because you can't fall back on being a white dude. Mm -hmm gives you a perspective where you're like, actually, I need to be good at my job. Did you catch when right. Cuomo yesterday tried to call all of the investigation into him sexist because um, yes. it describes a toxic workplace because if oh, a woman, a, a, what a incredible, a sexual predator hires a lot of women and those women are also very competent and he fosters a toxic workplace and he was like people don't care when men are problematic first of all yes we do that's why you're here he was like yeah he was like women people don't care when women are hard and they get things done and they hold people accountable and they keep people on a schedule like they're always what? they're always villainized and demonized because that is built into the report that this was a toxic work environment and this was reported to some female staffers who did not act and behaved inappropriately in other ways that part Oh, that part was super rich. The part that said that that his victims were just not processing what he was doing correctly because they were so traumatized and that actually this whole thing is sexist against women. We're just he bravo. really tried to blame everything except himself, which is such a fucking tale because it's like yeah. you change your defense for every situation. There he is no consistency. He blamed his mom. He blamed his poor mother. Ugh. Yeah. He's from how to be that's like from if she's an Italian Nana, I don't know, man. Like, good luck going back home and dealing with it. <laughs> also, right. you're allowed to hug your mom unless she tells you not to. Like, literally in his no, no, no. Thing, he no, like she. He was implying that like they were very no, like touchy feely. In, in his report, like, he where he put like 20 pictures of him being affectionate with people. He included one with his mom. It's like, well, you can't. That's not evidence that you don't assault women. Is that you hug your mom, dude? It's absurd. What do you think his brother Christopher Cuomo thinks? I need to have a conversation about how Chris Cuomo is at this point. It is publicly reported that Chris Cuomo told him to hanker down and defend himself against these allegations and act like nothing. This now? I, no, no, that was back, back in the day. Okay. First made, and he said, don't resign, tough it out, fight back against everybody. And he started giving him media advice. And I was like, on top of the fact that you you gave your brother at VIP access that you guys he violated every ethics of journalism by interviewing you on air on national television to burnish your reputation in the middle of a pandemic that you were fucking up seriously to the detriment of 20,000 dead New Yorkers at that time. You are talking about 
like these two, both of them. I want Chris too. Like, what <laughs> the fuck is going on that like he can say something like, "Oh yeah, tough it out," because he knew the truth. He mm-hmm. had to. Right. That's his brother. He heard that his brother had done some shit, and then it was like, "Good, fight." That's like instead of exiting himself from the entire situation, being like, "For journalistic reasons, I'm not gonna go." Yeah, I mean, a Cuomo is a Cuomo. It sounds like I gotta be over here. Yeah. Now I want to know, like, um, I wonder what he's telling him now. I wonder if CNN's going to launch an internal investigation into whether or not Chris Cuomo treats women with respect. Me too. You heard it here first. He doesn't care if his brother does. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for our buzzworthy news segment brought to you by Dame. Putting the buzz in all the right places. Their toys for sex are making the world a happier place. One vulva at a time. So today's a buzzworthy news headline. It plays double duty. We're talking about coffee, coffee, buzz, buzz, and we're talking about vibrators. So this athlete named Safan Hassan of the Netherlands, she's winning historic golds left and right. Last week, you might have seen her because she recovered after she fell over another competitor, fell way behind, and then just beasted and still beat everybody. She's on a mission to win like a bunch of consecutive things and uh Her savior in all of this has been coffee, she told reporters after her race. She said, before the race here, I didn't even care. I was so tired. Without coffee, I would never be an Olympic champion. I needed all the caffeine. Olympic track athletes, they are just like us. Take that anti-doping agency. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Honestly, like, I, okay, like, Avi is also, I mean, he's not an Olympian, but he does enjoy running and working out. And he's very into the coffee before. Like he says it really helps. So, you know, I imagine she must be onto something. Oh, such an incredible day for her. And I love that quote. We have to stand. And of course, coffee is not the only tool available to feel the buzz. You can also try Dame at dame.com slash sup. Yesterday, I told you to pick up all you can while we have this code, but I checked it out again. And they also have all these cool bundles where you're getting great savings for multiple products. So to feel the buzz, you can try Dame for yourself by visiting dameproducts.com slash sup. You can learn more and take the quiz to find out which vibe or product will be the perfect fit. Plus, all customers will get 15% off their first order on dameproducts.com slash sup. That is D-A-M-E-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S dot com slash sup. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sup Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.